Good morning, welcome. So I'm going to invite you to uh, join me in a 30 seconds of silence. You found him, awesome. And uh, then we'll go into our, our chant in this very room and, and uh, affirmative prayer. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. And so I invite you to just take a moment to feel your heartbeat as we move into affirmative prayer and to Think of a happy moment, something that expands that heart space, an experience of a remembrance of unconditional love, where love was sparked within you in a significant way, and to allow that to soften and open that heart. And so any thoughts that come to distract you or inspire you, I invite you, if they take you from this present moment, to simply dissolve them into the heart of unconditional love. And so as we stand together with our hearts open, we come together today in the recognition of the possibility and the opportunity that is before us this day, this moment, that God's presence, Spirit's presence, Creator's presence is who and what we are. And so in remembering that and enlivening that and focusing on that, there are shifts and changes that are unfolding in and through and as each and every one of us. And so I am so grateful for this tradition. I am so grateful for this, this life. I'm so grateful to live upon this beautiful planet and to know that there is so much diversity and so much that is going on at times. But it is my opportunity, first and foremost, as Martin's song just so beautifully articulated, it is my opportunity to cross the bridge, to pay the toll. Only you and I can do that. And so understanding that responsibility, not as a burden, not as a task, but an opportunity and a joy and a celebration. And to play in that this day, I give thanks. And with that said, I release these words and invite you to say with me. And so it is. You got all dressed up today. So we're um, talking this month about abundance. And I've selected something from the uh, Science of Mind textbook. There's an introduction in the Science of Mind textbook by Gene Houston. 
And um, Jean's an amazing woman, a brilliant, brilliant woman. We saw her last year in, in uh, Calgary for a period of time. She spoke there and presented there. One of the uh, phrases that she's coined in that, that introduction is, these are the times and we are the people. And it's right at the, at the conclusion of the introduction. These are the times we are the people. And so November is our abundance month and looking at abundance not just from a financial perspective but the fullness of life. That abundance is not just about the, the financial drivers and those concerns within our, our uh, sphere of influence but also to understand there's a fullness and a richness of life that is available to all of us. And in that um, introduction, Jean writes this as well. She said, educated for the demands of a different time and a different culture, we are called to be re-educated to use much more of ourselves in meeting the many new challenges that confront us. We have no choice then but to democratize greatness and utilize the whole continuum of human and divine potential. The science of mind says this is not only possible, it is what is expected of us. And so the inspiration of Dr. Holmes inspired her to write that. And when she talks about the democratizing of greatness and utilizing the whole continuum of human and divine potential, I think it speaks so beautifully to what is confronting us as a culture and as a movement and as a, the, the, the transformations that are taking place on the planet right now. Dr. Holmes says, prosperity is the outpicturing of substance in our affairs. Everything in the universe is for us. Nothing is against us. Life is ever giving of itself, and we must receive, utilize, and extend the gift. Success and prosperity, spiritual attributes belong to all people, but not necessarily used by all people. So he's talking about that, once again, that potential and that opportunity. And that comes from that 40-day abundance book by John Randolph Price. He uses one of Dr. Holmes' quotes. So we have the opportunity, but not all of, all of us use it. So today I want to explore three ideas with you. First one is the power of integrity. The second one is the power of alignment, and the third one is the power of choice. So the, the power of integrity is really crucial in our, on our spiritual journey. It's really, really, a, and, and to continue to bring ourselves back to what we know is the seed of integrity for ourselves. Because without trust, without trusting ourselves, and without being able to look at those, those error beliefs that we have about I'm not good enough, or I don't deserve, or there's not enough, or whatever it may be, then are allowing our capacity to allow and receive, and as Holmes said, to receive that and, to, and to, to transform it, to use it, to receive, utilize, and extend the gift becomes very limited. So trust is an important piece. And there's a wonderful teaching story, a Chinese teaching story I want to share with you today that, that I think is a great example of that. So there was a, an emperor from China who had no children and needed to choose a successor. And thousands of children from across the kingdom came to the palace and were surprised when the emperor exclaimed that he was going to choose one of them. He gave them all a single seed. And they were to go home to their villages, plant the seeds in a pot, and tend it for a year. And when they returned in the year, the emperor would judge their efforts and choose his successor. There was a boy named Ling who received his seed and returned to his village. His mother helped him plant it and choose a pot. And they watered it. He watered it every day. Once a week, the children of the village would get together and they would check out how their plants were doing. And after a few weeks, there were signs of life in all but Ling's pot. Everybody's plants were growing except his. The weeks passed and Ling continued to water his pot every day. After a few months, the pots really came to life. Some had trees starting to grow, some had flowers, and some had leafy shrubs. Poor old Ling still had nothing growing in his pot, leading the other children to make fun of him. Ling continued to water his pot every day. 
A year passed and it was time to return to the palace to show what had grown and decided on their new heir. Ling was anxious as his pot still showed no signs of life. What if they punish me? They won't know I've watered it every day. They'll think I'm lazy. All of the thoughts that run through his head. Ling and the other children entered the palace gates and by now some of the plants were looking magnificent and the children were wondering which one of the emperors, which one of the emperors would, would choose. Ling was embarrassed as the other children looked at his lifeless pot and scoffed. The emperor came out and he started to make his way through the crowd. Looking at the many impressive trees, shrubs, and flowers that were on display, the boys all puffed their chest out and tried to look as regal as possible, hoping that they would be chosen as the heir to the empire. What happened here, he asked Ling. I watered the pot every day, but nothing ever grew, Ling muttered nervously. And then he grumbled something to himself and and he moved on. After a few hours, the emperor finally finished his assessment. He stood in front of the children and congratulated them on their efforts. Clearly, some of you desperately want to be emperor and would do anything to make that happen. But there's one boy that I'd like to point out as he has come to me with nothing. Ling, please come here. Oh, no, thought Ling. He slowly sauntered to the front of the group, holding his barren pot. The emperor held up the pot for all to see, and the other children laughed. And then the emperor continued, A year ago, I gave you all a seed. I told you to go away, to plant the seed, and return with your plant. The seeds that I gave you all were boiled until they were no longer viable and wouldn't grow. But I see before me thousands of plants and only one barren pot. Integrity and courage are more important values for leadership than proud displays. So Ling here will be my heir. Isn't that a fascinating story, especially at a time when leadership is shifting and changing upon the planet and the, the flashiness and the, and the vocabulary that's, that so many people are sort of enticed by. But it truly is being true to one's own self. And living in that integrity. And if we don't have that, if we don't have that foundational peace, in our, it's not just, you know, our teaching is, oh, everything goes, we're all God, and da, 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 da. But without that integrity, being true to oneself, none of, there's no place for that, the greater yet to be the land. Because it needs that, that foundation. And so when we trust ourselves, when we live in that trust, and we move forward to the best of our ability, and if we find ourselves going off the rails a bit to bring ourselves back sooner rather than later, but to have that awareness, that's part of the spiritual journey. Aristotle said this, men acquire a particular quality by constantly acting in a particular way. Cardinal de Rentz said, a man who doesn't trust himself can never truly trust anyone else. Dr. Holmes, prosperity is the outpicturing of substance in our affairs. Everything in the universe is for us. Nothing is against us. Life is ever giving of itself. We must receive, utilize, and extend the gift. We must receive, utilize, and extend the gift. But without that foundational piece of trust, it's very difficult to receive, utilize, and extend. The trust of ourselves allows us to receive more openly and freely, and it is a key to what we attract and can allow in our lives. And when we trust, we can play, we can play in the energy, the allowing, the alignment, the synchronicity, the vibrational frequency. So the second point I want to talk about today is the, the power of alignment. Because it's very, very important. And, it, and I, want to, I want to weave in some of what has happened. This, there was an election last week. Did anybody uh, notice that or just me? And, and, and I'm drawn upon this and was inspired because I was preparing for this. And I found a little bit of Esther Hicks who did a, a bit of a, uh, her interpretation of what's happening. Now, Esther speaks from a group consciousness. She calls it we. 
And of course, she's a remarkable woman. I think she, she teaches some of the cleanest metaphysics on the planet. And I think Dr. Holmes would love her if he were still alive. But what Esther said about this, and, and, and so this group energy, those of us that have been to John of God know what that group energy feels like and experience it as well. It's a, it's a, it's a collective that Esther speaks for. So she says, we feel it is the best election ever. We feel it's the best election ever. And then she goes on, because Republicans do not create your reality and Democrats do not create your reality. Now, I know we don't have Republicans and Democrats here, but you know, we have a reasonable facsimile. But what she's saying is, what this election is showing us is that we have reached a stalemate, that that system is, is broken. And they're proving to us that they are ineffective. And as long as we look at them to assure our happy ever, happily ever after, we're in big trouble. So to look there and to give too much power to it is, is not perhaps serving us well. Other people do not create your reality. You do. I do. They are not your source. There's a broader non-physical part of us. That's why we call it metaphysics. And through which your well-being flows. There's this aspect, our well-being flows to us. There's an energetic to it, and it serves us best to be in alignment with this vibration of life. We are much better served, we are much more effective when we are in alignment, when we are connected to the source of all being. And so that alignment, that, that engagement, that synchronicity benefits us when we are at home with it. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom, saying the very same thing. And many of the great teachers, Esther Hicks calls it the vortex. Everybody's got a different name for it, but it is the same thing. It's just a different vocabulary. These people that are in power, that have been voted into power in the United States, have minuscule effect as to what happens to you and I. Minuscule. And the important part is to get into that relationship with our vortex or that kingdom within. That is what determines what you and I will, will become. So Esther says, make diversity your friend. She says, see life as a big buffet of many choices. And then you can become a purer, more deliberate, more personal chooser of your own thoughts. See, what's missing within those two cultures of the Republicans and the Democrats is they're both, they're both entrenched in protecting the status quo of what they represent. If you've noticed, they talk about how many votes they have here or how many votes they have there, and then they vote along the party lines. They've stalemated the appointment of a, a Supreme Court justice, and they say, well, you don't have enough votes to do that, when in fact, if they were really celebrating diversity and actually they're fulfilling the purpose for which they were asked, asked to fulfill they would look at beyond that to the qualities and the opportunities that were available and vote their hearts and their conscience and their values. But none of that's there because diversity is gone. It's just about our, us against them. And so what this is pointing out is, as Esther says, is this is an illustration of, of what that system looks like now. And rather than anyone else, as she said, influence you with their opinions, because if we are allowing someone else to align us, abdicating our responsibility. Oh, there's one, one source, one life, and I, I do that when I go to church on Sunday, but that's the only place I do it. If, if we're allowing someone to give us information for that to happen, it's probably not going to happen. It is really up to us to step into that and welcome that. So we determine our state of being. Our task before us is to grow into our true selves, into people who choose to love even those who appear to us as unlovable. Can you think of anybody in, in your life right now that appears unlovable? Someone who re we respect because we choose respect, not because someone is respectable. 
See, there's a difference there. When we understand the integrity of, of who we are, then it's not about what the other person is. It, is. it has to be about you and I. It has to be about you and I. You have to let it be about your ability to shift and sort and focus. To shift and sort and focus. Focus on what and whom you care about. One of the practices that uh, Llewellyn Von Lee uses, when, and Laura and I have spent time in his, his uh, retreats, he's a Sufi mystic. He comes from the Nasbandis, and they are silent Sufis. So they do their meditation silently. They don't chant out loud. But he is the one that I shared with you, that practice of, of capturing the feeling tone of unconditional love and then dissolving whatever thoughts come, positive or negative, into the, the heart of unconditional love. Because positive or negative, if it's taking you out of the present moment, it becomes a distraction. But to capture that feeling tone and to live from that, and then whatever comes towards us, whatever comes into our sphere of influence, See, if we can give up needing someone to be lovable before we can love them, we can be free. This is stand as love. I live from the source of my being. The source of my being is in, is in unbroken connection with spirit, which is living from that Christed nature, that Buddha nature. And, and offering love and extending love, not because people earned it or didn't earn it, but just simply because I want to live from that divine nature. I don't want to restrict the flow of love in my life. And this is a challenge especially at a time when so much is happening upon the, the planet. I put on the, the safety pin today, which represents support for all minorities. That's the new emblem. I don't know if you saw it or not, but anyone that is marginalized, this is the new banner here, a safety pin of support, of unconditional love for all groups that in some way, shape, or form could be categorized as inappropriate or different or marginalized. See, to accept that we can be a focused, individualized extension of source energy, divine life. And then we have come, as Esther says, we've come to explore the contrast. I think about it all the time. Why don't we do life like this? Why is this going on? Why are those guys over there so angry and upset? No, your guys over here. We've come to experience the contrast. So our souls, I love Martin's, the, the download to my soul. See, the spiritual journey is one of marrying the egoic nature with the soul, which transforms all of it. But to explore the contrast, and, and as a result of exploring that contrast, we make choices that have put a lot of our own preferences into our non-physical life energy. That's how we influence our consciousness. We, come up, we, we, we land on beliefs, opinions, and then we spend time on them over and over again, as Aristotle said. Over time, we've dwelled on the same ideas. We have all put our request into the creative potential, and your, our requests have been and are addressed but are your, your requests for an improved lifestyle, improved abundance, a more efficient this or an effective that can never be rendezvoused with if you're looking to other individuals or bodies of people to be the actualizers of what you're looking for. If we do the work and then we look out in the world to see where it's coming from and who will bless us as our source, our job, our group, whatever it may be, once again, it's, it's not where to look. The great creator is our source. And when we stand in alignment with that vibration, life takes on a whole new meaning. And that's a challenge. Because so much of us, and you look at a 50% of those people are just a little bit under the people that voted. They're just, they're just angry and they feel marginalized. And it's a call for compassion and prayer. I mean, I, was, I, I, mean, I, I live in a bubble. Holy, I've been saying for a year and a half, oh, that's never going to happen. And I watched it happen. I'm like, Wow. I would have bet money that that wouldn't happen. I would have bet your money that wouldn't happen. 
But what it, what it speaks to is people, when you look at that, and people are always looking, so they're looking for that system which is stalemated and, and, and in many ways not fulfilling what it, we'd like it to fulfill, and they're looking for the answer there. And so as metaphysicians, as people, cultural creatives on the planet right now that, that are for something, that care deeply about the planet and care deeply about all of life for the most part, and when we watch this and it looks like a step backward for us, and yet what I know at the level of spirit and the level of right action, it's perfect right action, as Esther Hicks says. It is, it is, we think it is perfect because I think what it's doing is waking all of us up to realize it's mine to do. It is mine to cross the bridge. It is mine to pay the toll. How can I in my own way here and now take a stand for what I know to be precious? When we look for the positive in another human being, even the ones that tempt us not to love them, it opens a valve of possibility. You know, I can look at Donald Trump and I can say, he has really nice shoes. I like that about him. <laughs> something. Something. Because it, I can't afford to spin into the, the, the fear and the, and, the, and the aggravation. It's the same thing that Andrew Harvey was talking about, about being a spiritual activist. To take a stand, but to never lose the peace and the passion. To not fight that, but to continue to take a stand and nurture the consciousness for the greater yet to be. Because despite what's going on in the world, you and I get to choose how to think and how to feel. A powerful antidote for despair is activity. So what activity lifts you out of despair? Do you have those activities in your lives that, that lift you out of despair? We were, Laura and I were spent time yesterday with our granddaughter, uh, Audrey, and Audrey's just starting to push a little cart and walk. She's 13, almost 13 months. But Audrey is part of our spiritual medicine. You go spend an hour with Audrey, it changes everything. It's like, huh, look at this. And we go home, we talk about Audrey. You know, it's just, it's, it's cheaper than drinking a six pack of beer and it's healthier too. <laughs> Give me that. <laughs> blessing all of humanity. Blessing all of humanity can be a powerful activity. And it, it matters deeply. We do that Twin Hearts meditation. We've been doing it on Tuesday mornings here at 9.30. And we've, we've done it on Wednesday nights for our meditation. But what I love about the Twin Hearts meditation is you actually bring before you a miniature earth and you hold your hands up and you become a, a vehicle of blessing. And because you allow yourself to become a portal of unconditional love, there's a reciprocity. You get to, to direct that somewhere in your life. And it's powerful energy work. It's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And, 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 and what's transformed is our interior, our being. You know it, um, um, Sharon, when you work with the, the crystal beds and you're in there to service the people that have laid on these crystal beds and had that energetic of the, 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 the uh, workers of light from Abhijanya and those crystals working through them. It's all energy work. And if you're drawn to that, great. If you're not drawn to that, you think that's a bunch of hooey, that's okay too. You don't have to do it. It's not mandatory. But all of us, we are, this, we are energy. We are pure energy in this physical form. Bless all of humanity can be an activity, a world that can be inspired, that we can be inspired together, that we can think together, we can cooperate together, we can find harmony together. When we're rowing together, two years ago at our AGM, we, I used the picture of the guys, the rowing team, the boys in the boat. Inspiring story. When you're rowing together, man, you can do anything. Condemning and blaming will not align you 
with inspiration, cooperation, and harmony. Just won't. You can't do it. You can't stand in that field and you can't stand in this field. So we get to choose. Condemning and blaming. As Dr. Holmes said, to look away from the condition. In other words, be aware, but don't empower it with anger. We can understand what's going on in the United States. We can look at where there's fear and there's anger and that people are marginalized and have compassion and care about that and work towards a world that works for everyone, which helps, helps alleviate some of that. Next week, I've got this incredible amount of energy of talking about the good things that are happening on the planet. There's amazing things happening with technology. There's another three billion people that are, are ready to come online in terms of being of productive, valuable members of cult, the culture. So when we look at the population, it's, it, and so why don't we hear about these things? Well, because what sells newspapers is the bad stuff. They used to say, what, if it bleeds, it leads, because the amygdala of our brains loves that stuff. We love the disaster. We love the negative. We don't want to go there. It's just we're tripwired for it. And yet there's incredible things happening with technology and with consciousness and with young people that are innovating. It's remarkable, remarkable stuff that we never hear about. Do you know that the, you know what the literacy rate has gone in the last 30 years? The literacy rate on the planet has gone from 25% of the population to 80% of the population. Just that alone, you can educate people. And when people can, are educated, they, they, their powers of discernment become more uh, valuable. There's all kinds of good things happening. Andrew Harvey says, to stand in the peace and the passion and work toward a better world. And one of the keys to alignment is through the heart. Fastest way to alignment with spirit is through the heart. That practice of activating and thinking of a happy time, a time of love, it activates our hearts. And when our hearts are activated, we're open and we're, we're directly connected to the infinite, to that higher self, to that, that, that vortex or that kingdom within. The heart is immediate. So po- find a positive aspect on the opposite side of the political spectrum. Can you think of anybody? Because the light of spirit within you, the light, this is the truth, the light of spirit within me, the light of spirit within you loves the light of spirit within them. It just does, despite what's going on. That's the perfection that lives within all of us that Dr. Holmes talks about. This is the education. We were educated for a different time, and now it's time to re-educate ourselves. A new perspective, a new consciousness, because something, I'm going to tell you what I believe in my heart of hearts, something wants to be given birth here that has never been given birth before. And, it's, that's, and, and what that system is modeling for, we've, 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 let's declare victory and move on, because that doesn't work anymore. And I think more and more people are seeing that. The way we've allowed people to lead and guide, it's time for all of us to step up in a different way and lead and guide. So the third piece is I want to talk very briefly about the power of choice. The power of choice is so important. We all have the power of choice. We have been given dominion in in Genesis, in the Old Testament. We have all been given dominion to name all the species on the planet, which is a metaphor that we we get to look at whatever the conditions are, whatever our experiences are, and give it a name. But finding a way to be happy in the unconditioned state, which means it hasn't shown up yet, I'm longing for this, but it hasn't shown up. Finding a way to be happy in that unconditioned state and to build that expectation before manifestation. So we empower ourselves by appreciating. Appreciating something. You know, if it's, if it's just appreciating the drops of water in the shower in the morning because it shifts us. I appreciate this beautiful warm water that is cleansing my body. 
or the cup of coffee or tea that you have. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be huge. It just has to be something that taps into that inner life that brings you into a new state of being and awareness. Empower yourself by appreciating. Because the infinite, this, and Dr. Holmes would say this in our textbook, the infinite doesn't care about the words so much. The infinite responds to the feeling tone. When you live in unconditional love, when your practice is wherever you go, you're going to find something to love. Sometimes it's really hard to see it. But when you're, I mean, it's one of the great things about people that, the thing that's amazing that I love about the people that I don't agree with politically is how sure they are. They're just certain. I believe this. And then if I go up to them and say, yeah, I, I understand you believe that. And, 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 you know, and honor that. And they'll look at me and say, and you're wrong. And then I get to process that. Thank them for sharing and all that. But the point being is there's, there's a certainty there. And so I can appreciate that. Doesn't represent me. Doesn't. It's not what I stand for. Because I want. I celebrate the diversity. I, I celebrate the greater yet to be. And I don't want to land on any one thing that may limit what wants to be given birth. But I still want to nurture it. So that's that's a bit hard, harder to do, if you know what I mean. It's you know you land on an idea and you stay stuck on that idea. It's pretty. You know, there's a certainty about that. That's powerful. The universe does not hear your words. It feels your vibration. So you may as well learn to play in it. And learn to play in it. Start to decide what you are for. Because so many are clear about what they don't want. There's so many people so certain about what they don't want. That's certainty. But what are you for? And to continue to nurture that. What do I stand for? And the gift of choice is given to us twofold. First is the free will. We have, we have free will to choose whatever we want to choose. And the second piece of this. Because if we miss the second piece... I think the first part of it is, is squandered. So I get to choose and call whatever it is before me, whatever I choose. And, and, and if I understand my, my opportunity in this, I'm going to look for things that I care about and love. But the other piece is the second choice is to step into that alignment with the infinite. If I miss that, I'm going to spin in all kinds of things with my choices, trying to find a place to land in my soul and my heart. That's what I love about affirmative prayer. There's one life. That life is spirit's life. That is life is creator's life. And then I step in, and that life is my life now. To be able to stand before you and say this prayer out loud week after week after week is such an honor and a privilege. And to allow that to land and to do that work it was one of the things that drew me into ministry. I remember my teachers praying with me one-on-one -on -one, over and over and over again, helping shift and change the entrenched beliefs, the certitude that I had about things for myself that weren't necessarily fixed, but I thought they were fixed and would never change. When we are in alignment, when we choose to be in alignment, we are better able to see, be in the conversation and ask this, what is seeking to be revealed what is seeking to be revealed here on this planet in a time when people are suffering and there's a lot of fear and change going on and it looks like we're moving backwards? But what is seeking to be revealed? And I think it is the democratization, as Gene Houston talked about, of our consciousness, marrying our divine and human potential in a way that helps give birth to what is mine and yours to give birth to. 
See, we're not stuck with this. The innovations that are coming, the ideas, the insights, the consciousness that wants to be given birth. And I believe what's happening is part of the friction of that, the inspiration of that. So I will say, infinite creator, I accept my divine nature, one with you, and listen deeply to your call. I stand ready to be equipped to answer that call and to be of service to that call. And see, we don't have to figure it out. Once we step through the portal to simply know that whatever it is I need to fulfill that call, I know that you will provide. That's co-creation. That's partnership. And then it is my opportunity to keep the, the, the receiving mode open to the greatest possibility. But if I get distracted by what I don't like and what I want to condemn and what I want to tear down, I'm no longer in that conversation. Do you see the challenge of that? So to have things, have that medicine in our lives that, that when we start to spin in it, the frustration and the anger, what brings us back to that? What is your medicine? You know, one of my medicines is my, my granddaughter, my grandson. I just pull their picture up. I go, oh, it's time for me to go have some medicine. But I know that works for me. That shifts and changes me. And then, it's a, and then all of us are a blessing to ourselves and to one another. Because it's so easy to, to, to get pulled into that race consciousness. And that's what we're witnessing, that race consciousness. But it's going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. It always has. It always will. We are eternal. We have eternity to do this and not one second to waste. And so it is. Blessings.